Welcome to the 3ABN Australia Radio Book Reading Program. The Desire of Ages, written by Ellen White, is an inspirational account of the life and ministry of Jesus. What you are about to hear is a dramatized audio version of this book, created by Nancy Hamilton Myers. To download your free copy, visit thedesireofagesproject.com. Listen now as Nancy continues to read from The Desire of Ages. The Desire of Ages, Chapter 61, Zacchaeus. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, a few miles from the Jordan on the western edge of the valley, that he has spread out into a plain. The city lay in the midst of tropic verdure and luxuriance of beauty, with its palm trees and rich gardens watered by living springs. It gleamed like an emerald in the setting of limestone hills and desolate ravines that interposed between Jerusalem and the city of the plain. Many caravans on their way to the feast passed through Jericho. Their arrival was always a festive season, but now a deeper interest stirred the people. It was known that the Galilean rabbi who had so lately brought Lazarus to life was in the throng. And though whispers were rife as to the plottings of the priests, the multitudes were eager to do him homage. Jericho was one of the cities anciently set apart for the priests, and at this time large numbers of priests had their residence there. But the city had also a population of a widely different character. It was a great center of traffic, and Roman officials and soldiers with strangers from different quarters were found there while the collection of customs made it the home of many publicans. The chief among the publicans, Zacchaeus, was a Jew and detested by his countrymen. His rank and wealth were the reward of a calling they abhorred and which was regarded as another name for injustice and extortion. Yet the wealthy customs officer was not altogether the hardened man of the world that he seemed. Beneath the appearance of worldliness and pride was a heart susceptible to divine influences. Zacchaeus had heard of Jesus, the report of one who had borne himself with kindness and courtesy toward the prescribed classes had spread far and wide. In this chief of the publicans was awakened a longing for a better life. Only a few miles from Jericho, John the Baptist had preached at the Jordan and Zacchaeus had heard of the call to repentance. The instruction to the publicans, accept no more than that which has appointed you, though outwardly disregarded, had impressed his mind. He knew the scriptures and was convicted that his practice was wrong. Now hearing the words reported to have come from the great teacher, he felt that he was a sinner in the sight of God. Yet what he had heard of Jesus kindled hope in his heart. Repentance, reformation of life, was possible, even to him. Was not one of the new teacher's most trusted disciples a publican? Zacchaeus began at once to follow the conviction that had taken hold upon him and to make restitution to those whom he had wronged. Already he had begun thus to retrace his steps when the news sounded through Jericho that Jesus was entering the town. Zacchaeus determined to see him. He was beginning to realize how bitter are the fruits of sin 
and how difficult the path of him who tries to return from a course of wrong. To be misunderstood, to be met with suspicion and distrust in the effort to correct his errors was hard to bear. The chief publican longed to look upon the face of him whose words had brought hope to his heart. The streets were crowded, and Zacchaeus, who was small of stature, could see nothing over the heads of the people. None would give way for him, so running a little in advance of the multitude to where a wide-branching fig tree hung over the way, the rich tax collector climbed to a seat among the boughs whence he could survey the procession as it passed below. The crowd comes near. It is going by, and Zacchaeus scans with eager eyes to discern the one figure he longs to see. Above the clamor of priests and rabbis and the shouts of welcome from the multitude, that unuttered desire of the chief publican spoke to the heart of Jesus. Suddenly, just beneath the fig tree, the group halts. The company before and behind come to a standstill, and one looks upward, whose glance seems to read the soul. Almost doubting his senses, the man in the tree hears the words, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. The multitude give way, and Zacchaeus, walking as in a dream, leads the way toward his own home. But the rabbis look on with scowling faces and murmuring discontent and scorn that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus had been overwhelmed, amazed, and silenced at the love and condescension of Christ in stooping to him, so unworthy. Now love and loyalty to his newfound master unseal his lips. He will make public his confession and his repentance. In the presence of the multitude, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, forasmuch as he also is a son of Abraham. When the rich young ruler had turned away from Jesus, the disciples had marveled at their master's saying, How hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? They had exclaimed one to another, Who then can be saved? Now they had a demonstration of the truth of Christ's words. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. They saw how, through the grace of God, a rich man could enter into the kingdom. Before Zacchaeus had looked upon the face of Christ, he had begun the work that made him manifest as a true penitent. Before being accused by man, he had confessed his sin. He had yielded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and had begun to carry out the teaching of the words written for ancient Israel as well as for ourselves. The Lord had said long before, If thy brother be waxen poor and fallen in decay with thee, then thou shalt relieve him, yes, though he be a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with thee. Take thou no usury from him, or increase, but fear thy God, that thy brother may live with thee. Thou shalt not give him thy money upon usury, nor lend him thy victuals for increase. 
Ye shall not therefore oppress one another, but thou shalt fear thy God. These words had been spoken by Christ himself when he was enshrouded in the pillar of cloud. And the very first response of Zacchaeus to the love of Christ was in manifesting compassion toward the poor and suffering. Among the publicans there was a confederacy so that they could oppress the people and sustain one another in their fraudulent practices. In the exhortation they were but carrying out what had become an almost universal custom. Even the priests and rabbis who despised them were guilty of enriching themselves by dishonest practices under cover of their sacred calling. But no sooner did Zacchaeus yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit than he cast aside every practice contrary to integrity. No repentance is genuine that does not work reformation. The righteousness of Christ is not a cloak to cover unconfessed and unforsaken sin. It is a principle of life that transforms the character and controls the conduct. Holiness is wholeness for God. It is the entire surrender of heart and life to the indwelling of the principles of heaven. The Christian in his business life is to represent to the world the manner to which our Lord would conduct business enterprises. In every transaction, he is to make it manifest that God is his teacher. Holiness unto the Lord is to be written upon day books and ledgers, on deeds, receipts and bills of exchange. Those who profess to be followers of Christ and who deal in an unrighteous manner are being false witnesses against the character of a holy, just and merciful God. Every converted soul will, like Zacchaeus, signal the entrance of Christ into his heart by an abandonment of the unrighteous practices that have marked his life. Like the chief publican, he will give proof of his sincerity by making restitution. The Lord says, If the wicked restore the pledge, give again that he had robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity. None of his sins that he hath committed shall be mentioned unto him. He shall surely live. If we have injured others through any unjust business transaction, if we have overreached in trade or defrauded any man, even though it be within the pale of the law, we should confess our wrong and make restitution as far as lies in our power. It is right for us to restore not only that which we have taken, but all that it would have accumulated if put to a right and wise use during the time it has been in our possession. To Zacchaeus the Saviour said, This day is salvation come to this house. Not only was Zacchaeus himself blessed, but all his household with him. Christ went to his home to give him lessons of truth and to instruct his household in the things of the kingdom. They had been shut out from the synagogues by the contempt of rabbis and worshippers. But now, the most favoured household in all Jericho they gathered in their own home about the divine teacher and heard for themselves the words of life. It is when Christ is received as a personal saviour that salvation comes to the soul. Zacchaeus had received Jesus not merely as a passing guest in his home, but as one to abide in the soul temple. The scribes and Pharisees accused him as a sinner. They murmured against Christ for becoming his guest but the Lord recognized him as a son of Abraham.
for they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Join us next time as Nancy Hamilton Myers continues her dramatized audiobook, The Desire of Ages, written by Ellen G. White. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.